Well, welcome to The Journey. Um, this is Kevin Polkey, and I am the host of The Journey. And today we have uh, a special guest to join us, Greg Young. He was on approximately a month ago or so. Uh, he was on the show and um, was talking about his career Um in ministry, as well as his career and in working with first responders, working with the police and fire specifically, and targeting critical incident stress management and doing uh, debriefs and diffusing and, and helping out with that process and how I got to meet Greg. Uh, he came into Rockford and trained um, five of us from KP and, and one from a local hospital on um, uh, going through the process of being critical incident stress management um, facilitators. And so, uh, Greg, thank you for being back on the journey and and have really enjoyed our time um, that we've gotten to know each other over the yeah. over the last uh, four or five months. And um, so uh, I know that, uh, again, that beautiful picture in the background I know you shared <laughs> last time is uh, your uh, uh, a, a glance of what it looks like up in northern Michigan. And, That's right. uh, That's and right. so, yeah. so I want to just start us off uh, as we're welcoming you back to the journey. As you think back over the last couple of weeks, uh, what for you would be something that stood out for stood out to you as something you're grateful for? Wow, um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I you know I can't be limited to just one one particular <laughs> thing. First and sure. foremost, my family. You know, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. My family, they ground me, Kevin, you know, you know, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and most recently, the great weather we've been having, you know, that yep. you've been sending up from down Rockford way up to Wisconsin. Yep. So enjoying that and getting outside and in nature, being able to exercise, just being grateful for this gift of today. I mean, it's a package, you know, every day, you know, I get up in the morning and I and I thank I thank God that, you know, that he, he, here's a brand new gift. You know, uh, come what may, uh, and but uh, but the package is only partially unwrapped, just as today is. So yeah, so just uh, I try to try to cultivate an attitude of gratitude wherever yeah. I can. Yeah, well, and I know um, for me, I I have it is it's like the exercise of mindfulness for me is that I. I believe wholeheartedly in the in the attitude of gratefulness and 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 bringing that to the forefront of our minds. Um, but my, I know for me, my tendency, and I was just talking about this um, uh, over the weekend, is my tendency is to be like three steps ahead mm-hmm. about what's <laughs> what's come what's what's going to all right where do I have to turn you know that type of thing and. Um, and the key I know is when I'm in my best spot is when I'm just where I'm at, not worrying about where I have to, what I have to do an hour from now or three hours from now or whatever. And and living within that tension of pre- preparation, but also being present. And yeah, yeah. 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 And and th- when I do that, I'm I'm in a much better place. Uh, when I'm not doing that, then I'm uh, I'm I'm putting a lot of energy to something that hasn't happened and may very well not happen like I'm thinking it's gonna. That's right. You know, I, you know, anticipatory. I refer to that. I think in a training we had as anticipatory stress. Yep. You know, I mean, it's like it could be bad or good. You know, I mean, the example I use a lot of times in my presentations, Kevin is I said, imagine like a, say a Wednesday or Thursday, 
you've been having a health issue, you think maybe something going on, and you go and say for uh, an MRI. And they say, well, we think there's something there, but we need to have, you know, so-and-so check it out, you know, um, and we'll get back to you next Wednesday. By the way, have a nice weekend. So <laughs> what are you going to be? Are you going to be living in the moment then? Or are you going to be anticipating what did they find, you know, until you get to whenever they can give you your test results. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's being in the moment. is so important. And it's so darn hard to do. I mean, you're busy. I'm busy, you know, and uh, just thinking of, you know, what's already going to be happening this week now that it's Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that's it's hard just to be in the moment. So I'm going to try to be as much in the moment today as I possibly can. Yeah. And I think that's a great point because we only have right now to be able to focus on. Yeah. Because something can be completely different, you know, come, you know, come Tuesday, you know, you're speaking of the weather and in this time of year, uh, especially for, for, for us in the Midwest, when we're having those large fluctuations of, of cold to warm, and then, you know, flipping around, that also leads to, um, you know, some, uh, some thunderstorms and those thunderstorms could lead to, you know, to, to high winds or tornadoes. And we ended up getting hit in the Rockford area with tornadoes. Um, and, uh, an adjacent, uh, adjacent town, um, Belvedere, uh, Illinois got hit and there was a, a rock concert going on and the roof collapsed. Yeah, that's, that's right. In fact, I remember when that happened, I, I checked, I said, Belvedere, that sounds like it was pretty close to where, um, you know, where, where the Rockford area is. So, you know, but I, I also trained a lot of people in Little Rock, you know, okay. got hammered, you know, yeah. but you're right. It's that season. It's that yeah. season too. Yeah. yeah. To be sure. Yeah. Glad everybody, at least I know, at least down your way uh, is, is okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was just one of those things of how quickly, um, you know, granted the, you know, with the technology we have now, there was a lot of prep, a preparation um, letting us know that there was going to be these, this adverse weather. Um, unfortunately, sometimes is that because we get so much information about storms coming that I don't know how often we take it serious. Um, and then, and then of course, you know, when it does hit, then we're, we're definitely taking it serious for the next one. Um, and, and, and the next one may not hit. So then we start de becoming desensitized again. That's, <laughs> so, right. That's right. Like, so, that's right. That's right. So, so. but yeah, but we, I, I was, it was interesting because I had met with, I had met with this um, local SISM team on Thursday night and the storm happened on Friday and oh, cool. and I was um, I was waiting because we hadn't got on the list yet officially with the Blackhawk system. And so I was like, OK, are we going to get called? Are we not going to get called? And then about a week later, uh, you know, there was someone else who reached out to us about possibly I haven't heard anything at this point. Um, we're working with the, the staff who were at the theater, not working with the first responders, but the staff. Um, so it, it was uh, it was very much on my mind when when the storm after the storm had passed and then I heard about the damage at the theater. Yeah. yeah. That um, so we were we were ready, but uh, we didn't we didn't get the call, so that was okay. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because it's not if it's when Kevin. Right. And you bring up a good point talking about that theater roof collapse, and you know that was very concerning, obviously to me, and certainly would have warranted having you come in and do some diffusing or debriefing. Um, you know, because that's, that's, again, that's a part of that outreach to your greater community 
yep. you know, which is why we do these things, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to come again, you know, and, and as you get to be better known, you know, people understand the importance of using these tools that, that we, uh, that we taught, um, you know, the, the, it, it will only expand your outreach and visibility, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so just as a reminder, if we have anybody new listening, um, if you could, Greg, maybe just give us a very brief, not not the not the two day training part of it, but very brief. Uh, uh, what what is considered a critical incident? And then when just a just a uh, maybe a little bit, because we've already thrown out the words diffuse and debriefing, maybe just a like a yeah. A, a, a very uh, vanilla version of what does that mean? So our listeners can get an idea of what do we mean by critical incident? Uh, what do we mean by a diffusing? What do we mean by a debriefing? Okay. Well, and then I'll also try to explain what SISM is, you know, sure. for people yeah. who don't know what it is. Uh, critical incident obviously depends on the person because you, as you know, trauma affects each of us differently and how we respond, react to that. Um, but a critical incident, most of the critical incidents um, that that I have done lots of debriefings for, and we train teams that they respond to, are, are you know incidents usually where there may be a loss of life, or it could be you know mass, some sort of a mass incident, those kinds of things. Uh, you can almost bet the ranch that a debriefing would be called for for those people who respond to, you know, that homogenous group we talked about, to say the death of a child you know, uh, or anything, or, or an officer-involved shooting, if we're talking first responders, firefighter, or an EMS person killed in the line of duty, uh, all those things would be, you, you know, certainly common. But I I was up at um, Aurora Baycare in Green Bay. Uh, there was a high school, I mean, Pulaski High School made the news last year, uh, bonfire, and some kids, some guys had a drum full of diesel fuel, threw it on the bonfire that the high school students were at. It exploded, and these kids had to be 60 of them. Well, there were 60, about 60 there. 20 or 30 of them were burned. Had to be Some had to be flighted down to Children's Hospital or the burn units here in the Milwaukee area. And um, Aurora Baycare said, I just trained their team, and they said, could you come up and help us with the debriefing? So it could be for any kinds of incidents like that, Kevin. Mm -hmm. uh, usually uh, car crashes following officers shot and killed in line of duty. I've done a lot of officer-involved shooting ones, if we're talking first responders, um, so on and so forth. But usually when it's the death of children, because all of us either have kids, but it's just something deep within us. I mean, you know, children, if something horrible happens to children or something horrible is done to a child, we need to respond to that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can provide one-on-one, -on -one, certainly, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, diffusing is for generally, just to kind of help your listeners, a diffusing is a, is, a, is a small process. It's within eight hours of post-incident when, you know, only for those people who actually responded to the incident. Uh, you could do civilians separately, you know, if it's first responder kind of response, you would, you could do them, but don't include civilians because, you know, that gives, they need the freedom to kind of talk about, you know, their reactions to that incident and civilians could do the same. So don't, we don't want to miss them as well. A debriefing though, which is what we do most of, uh, obviously 24 to 72 hours post incident, you get that same group together. Uh, and and you go through, a, a, it's a structured seven-step process, you know, and it can be very helpful. And it's, 
you know, but it's it's part of a continuum of mental health care, as, as you know, working professionally in mental health. It, it you know, it's it's kind of like the expression we use in CISM or critical incident stress management is this: just as first aid is to say surgery, psychological first aid is to psychotherapy, and and so that's that's kind of the mantra you know that we use for for what critical incident stress management and what that is. It's a set of tools from working individually with people, which is something that, you know, we do most of actually, um, but also then having other tools like a crisis management briefing, say something happens in a school or a large company where you can get everybody involved uh, and, and just basically lay out the facts of what happened because rumors run rampant in the fog of crisis or disaster or war, um, you know, to get those facts out. But also just to let them know that we are going to be providing services for those who may be more affected and want to talk to somebody. So that crisis management briefing and then the diffusing are only for those who were most exposed to the traumatic incident, that, that incident, that critical incident, you know, either responding to it or like in the case of, say, let's take the theater, you know, those who were involved, you know, that um, like Pulaski, uh, Pulaski Bonfire. Um, the kids that were at the bonfire. So it would be a very similar kind of parallel, mm -hmm. but that a briefing then would be for that same group. So hopefully that answers your question sure. in less than two days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, so when you, you had just mentioned something too, and again, for just clarification, when you refer to psychological first aid yep. and refer to critical incident stress management training, Tell us a little, are, are those separate or are they fall underneath one or the other? Yeah, tell us a little bit about that from yeah, your perspective, just from your perspective. Psychological first aid is actually a pretty generic term. There are lots mm -hmm. of groups that's, that talk about psychological first aid and they may have modalities of, of uh, training, you know, that you could use for it. Uh, some better than others, but uh, that's another conversation. But, um, but it falls under that broader category, psychological first aid is what critical incident stress management is for. It's not, it's not an end all, you know. Um, it may be all some people need though, Kevin, as, as I'm sure you know. Some people are gonna be okay, other people may not. But it's also a platform for screening to see how folks in these, when using these tools, if they're say involved in this intervention, interdiffusing or debriefing. And some of them may need more care, you know. Uh, and so usually we can tell if we're facilitating these, who's not handling it really well? So we want to discreetly go up to them and maybe suggest, you know, that that maybe, you know, to, so we can better help them more effectively, you know, they might benefit from additional help beyond what CISM could provide. True, Is that true. Help? No, 100%. And I, and again, I think, you know, to your point, I was with a gentleman um, two weeks ago, and he talked about a, an incident uh, as a first responder, as a police officer um, that he he was involved with and went through a debrief. And for him, he he went into the debrief thinking, um, I'm air quoting, thinking he was okay and um, had, had put it into a, a proper perspective because of, of what had happened and what he was involved with regarding it. And then we, when he went through the debrief, that then allowed him not, 
not necessarily even at the time, but later when he reflected reflected on them, it allowed him to put it into a different category, which then helped him frame it a little bit different. And again, you've heard this a thousand times, is that, oh, someone else was thinking the same thought. Oh, that's yeah. how someone else felt too. And that that way of knowing that I wasn't alone and being able to generalize. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, in, in his case, he didn't even talk in it about the piece that was the mm, the insight later that he had, but he he had he had benefited from the group as he was listening, even though he shared what you know what he what he had experienced. It was later that uh, even though he didn't verbalize it, it was still he he got a um, a significant benefit from partaking in that um, group debrief well as you know because you 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 all you do some wonderful work all of you with with your groups you know at kp counseling and 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 other places um remember yalom's 11 factors therapeutic factors of of, you know why groups are effective and you just kind of really touched on it because one of the things too kevin related to what you just said and i think i might have said this but for the benefit of your of, of the listeners is that, um, say, for instance, you have a department and you've got a command staff, if we're talking, say, first responders, or you have a business executive saying, this has happened, you're going, you know, and you may think, well, I'm fine. I don't need to go. This is a waste of my time. This is BS, whatever the case may be. But here's the thing. We, we can motivate those people knowing that that may be the policy come in to facilitate these. Um, and, and what I say, and, and I'll reiterate this, Say, look, some of you may not want to be here. You know, I we get it. We get it. But, you know, we're glad you're here. Those that are here who, you know, that you work with or you work alongside with are glad you can hear. You're providing moral support, if nothing else. You don't have to say anything, but you may have, if you decide to share something, that missing puzzle piece that another person or that thought that other person was thinking, but were maybe a little apprehensive to share, that you know that would be a benefit to others so you know but it does and it kind of helps it, it's that universal concept we're not we're not alone in this hey i i thought i was going crazy to use you know yeah. a, a very non-therapeutic term um <laughs> not a clinical term yeah. but it's but i think i'm losing it but um that's the way cops talk anyway um but but um but but thinking you know other people are feeling this way too just like you said and 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 that is huge. It really is. It validates where they're at, yeah. and that's important part of this process. Yeah, very much so. So so, Greg, I want to uh, ask you again. I I know that you have done a lot of things throughout your career, been involved with a lot of different things, and and at this point in your in your career, this is, you know. Uh, as I follow you and, and and gotten to know you over the last, you know, the last few months, um, you know, it seems to that's the two areas that stand out to me uh, probably the most is obviously the, the trainings that you do with, you know, training individuals like me and the other team members at KP um, and, uh, and other groups or even larger groups, you're, you're training or going in and getting called to a debrief itself. And then you have a whole nother world that you um, uh, are involved with as a guest, you know, as a speaker and um, teaching on, I'm, I'm assuming Sundays, but maybe not um, with a, with a church that you're involved with. And so, right, right. so, so 
let me let me just ask well one how how do you switch hats you know regarding that and <laughs> what have you because i i believe that when we are really working within that flow even if we're switching hats we're still going in the same direction yep yeah you know and we're still doing the same mission even if we have different roles as we're going as we're going down that path and so so maybe tell us a little bit, you know, just just from that. Well, I mean, obviously, people know that you're instructor. That's how we met um, for SISM. and then you get called for to help out in a in a, in a debrief, or um, probably sometimes a diffusing, but probably more for the debrief, just yeah. from locale. Um, but then you have this other uh, opportunity to to teach on uh, on the weekend to uh, participate in your congregation. So yeah, tell me a little bit about that, about those two worlds. That's an easy segue. There is a flow there, Kevin, okay. very much so. I mean, we know each other. I mean, that's, okay. that's uh, I guess, why we're together. Sure. But it's, it's. Um, I, I always told people, you know, at least this, at this point in my journey, you know, in ministering the church, it's it's part-time, has to be part-time. And the church was actually, um, you know, the, you know, it was, it's, it's been a wonderful, wonderful marriage. It really has. And, and I told them, I said, I'm a better pastor by doing ministry in the trenches. And by the trenches, you know, it's that other stuff. It's that other stuff. When I respond to this crisis or I make a death notification or I, you know, and, and all of these kinds of things that I respond to, you know, that we talked about in the previous, you know, installment of our, of our time together. Um, those things make me a more effective pastor. If I had just gone to college, graduate school, you know, seminary and, and become a pastor and really did have that kind of boots on the ground experience. I wouldn't, you know, I mean, you know, other pastors, that's fine. That's maybe their, their cup of tea, but it just so happens to be how I'm wired. You know, that's my calling. That's my why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. I know, um, I know a couple of weeks ago, uh, you had, uh, you were presenting a message and it, it caught my attention when I saw the title of it, because it reminded me of what we talk about in Shatter Our Silence and what I talk about many times when I'm doing my teachings about this idea that we have all been created um, with a light within us. Oh, yeah. And then, and then we have I believe we have a responsibility uh, when we're present, when we're, you know, that light will shine bright and we have a responsibility uh, to be a light in others' darkness. And well, that's kind of like the, the Papadero's piece, right? The, uh, with Robert Fulgham, when he was at a seminar, this, this Greek uh, philosophy professor that had a, an old German World War II Nazi uh, motorcycle mirror. And and he asked him what the meaning of life was. Is that is that what you're referring to? Well, I'm going to hear that story. Go ahead, go ahead okay. and continue that well, story. I, 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 in fact, that's in my book. But it's um, and I've used it in a sermon too. Actually, it's uh, um, Robert Fulgham was. I think I don't remember the name of the country. I mean, your listeners probably know it, maybe chapter and verse. But uh, he was he was in um, someplace overseas. I, I'm thinking I don't remember the name of the country. It doesn't matter. Um, at a, at a seminar. And he asked this question near the end of this lecture of, of this, uh, I think he was a philosophy professor, you know, older guy. And he asked him, 
Dr. Papaderos, I think is his name. So, so like a Greek sounding name. Um, what is the meaning of life? And he first you thought, well, Papaderos is going to be like, if you, you, you know, somebody would ask you or I, what's mm -hmm. the meaning of life? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, this guy being snarky, what's he, what's he doing here? Right. But Dr. Papaderos just stared at him. He just stared at him for the longest time. And he walks over to uh, essentially to kind of abbreviate the story. It's a beautiful story, Kevin. And he walks over to the window. He takes out of his pocket. Uh, he had actually rounded. Uh, it was a, he said this was a piece of a, a German Nazi motorcycle mirror, you know, because he obviously he'd lived through the war and all of that stuff. And he had polished the edges. So there weren't any sharp edges. He keeps it in his pocket. And it was a sunny day and he walks over to the lecture room, her lecture room, lecture hall, and, sh and shines the light, you know, reflects the light from that mirror onto the people, on Fulgham and the other people in the classroom. He said, our responsibility is to shine essentially that light on to everyone we meet. That is our purpose in life. That's the meaning of life. It's a beautiful story. Look it up. Yeah, I didn't yeah. do justice to it. For Yeah, yeah. Well, great. And, and so that, that actually is the first time I've heard that story. And, but I think like for me, when I originally looked at that, it was a combination of, of, of different, different things that I kind of came together You know, one, uh, you know, in the new Testament, St. Paul refers to us, you know, is that we shouldn't, you know, um, there's no benefit of the light if it's underneath, you know, if it's being covered up. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so um, and then my my uh, 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 studying of Lakota traditions, when right. he uh, medicine men and medicine women would would say that their ability to heal came from the Great Spirit, and they were just a vessel in which the Great Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, moved through to heal to heal the client or heal the patient. And, and that for me early on, when I knew that I knew nothing at all about counseling, but I was hence still had a job and I was supposed to do it. It was <laughs> that reliance on uh, to be that vessel in, yeah. in which to heal. And so that was really this idea that uh, we all have that light within us and and, and equally because of trauma, because of situations, because of crisis, we may find ourselves in, in a darkness, um, the absence of light. And, yeah. and so how do I hang on to the belief and the knowing that the light is within me? It's just being eclipsed right now because of usually my thinking, um, it's being eclipsed, you know? And so, um, the light hasn't gone anywhere. It's just that, it's being it's being eclipsed and and how do I hold on to not act on the darkness? You know, I once heard at a at a conference in Colorado, a speaker talk about and it's an expression I've used actually in messages that I've done very similar to the Lakota stuff you're talking about that we need to become. What is it? How how can we become clarified vessels through which God's light can shine? Yeah. Others. So yeah. very similar, very parallel kind of thought. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and so it's. I, I think it's like anything, right? When you you're you when you're focused on gratitude, like we started earlier talking about, then I'm going to see more things to be grateful about. When when I'm focused on 
what can I do to continually work at being that light? It just naturally is going to illuminate onto others. Oh, I, and, oh yeah. And 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 then my and then I'm if I'm concentrating on on that and being intentional, maybe is a better word than concentrate, being intentional about that, then I'm attracting more things that support that. Absolutely. And you're also going to be, people are going to be attracted to you. I mean, think of the kinds of people that any of us as human beings are attracted to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for me, it's like, I mean, you know, if you, if you look like the proverbial, you know, you, you know I have n- nothing against other religions, the proverbial Ayatollah, you know, kind of that frown, stern look, you know, who wants to be around people like that? In fact, my vision of Christ is that he he's one of those people, it's almost like a magnet. Mm-hmm. The people are drawn to him because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's it and I agree with you. In my mental my uh mental model of of what uh of what Jesus looks like is different than my previous teaching and model that I had of God. And I'm, I'm still working on that process. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and because that, you know, that old teaching doesn't go away very easy because uh, I, when I'm, you know, how, how do I look at this situation that happens as an opportunity for growth versus it being punishment only, um, you know, yeah. with, with a, with a setback or whatever it may be. So, so let me, let me ask, you know, for you as, as we're kind of, you know, as you in your life, right, walk walk back and forth fluidly between these two worlds, uh, two two different worlds that you're teaching. Though the message, the words may be different, the message may be the same. Yeah, I would say the core message is probably the same. Yeah, yeah, to be sure. Yeah, because ultimately, when we go to do a debrief, you know, we're we're not coming in and talking about rainbows and unicorns. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no. But nonetheless, the fact that we're willing to walk into the darkness doesn't mean that I'm giving yep. up my light to do that. I'm I'm walking to the darkness because there's light within. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, do, doing the debriefs, it's, it's a right. One thing I always tell people, and I'm sure you, you do the same thing, is, is that when somebody or a group invites me to walk with them, on that, I refer to it as Frederick Buechner calls it the sacred journey. Um, we walk through that that sacred journey, you know, down that dark path, you know, to be with them. You know, that's the, I consider that a real honor, you know, to be able that they entrust uh, you or me or others, you know, who to do that because that's a very vulnerable time, as you, as you know, and you know, just to be able to do that. You know, we we don't want to violate that trust either. So, right. you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, we're on the same wavelength, my friend, my brother. Yeah. So when you think of think of examples over over time, maybe recently, maybe some some other time, um, I have I have situations that I think of that have affirmed that I'm I am staying to that 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 value that that model of of striving to be that light striving to um contain or diffuse uh the anything that gets into my gets into my way gets into my thinking from being present um 
there's times though when I'm when when something gets reflected back, either because of something that's been said or or someone else, or it just I get to witness it. Um that mm-hmm. the the dots are dots are connecting or somebody, you know, you know, receives something. Right. And so when you think about either either from uh when you're working in the church or when you've been called called to something or working with uh, some uh future instructors um what what are some things that have affirmed that yes this is what greg's supposed to be doing right now wow I, i'll give you an example um a f- couple of weeks ago i spoke at a cybersecurity conference and i thought that's really kind of out of my domain Mm-hmm. It's at the Wisconsin Center, right downtown Milwaukee. There are 1,200 people, and the, their prime spot. They wanted me to speak on on um, cumulative stress, uh, burnout, depression, and suicide, and how to be resilient or how to deal with these kinds of things. And I thought uh, first, and I thought, well, you know, cybersecurity people. Then I, I you know, I, I wrapped my mind around that, and I was thinking, and it was at 9:30 at night, and I was thinking, 9:30 at night. I mean. For this old guy, you know, I'm a morning <laughs> person. Like, wow, there's a Starbucks across the way, he, he, right downtown Milwaukee, the Wisconsin Center. I'm sure you know where it is mm-hmm. when you come up this way. But uh, so I made sure I had some caffeine, caffeine in me. But I'll never forget, I had three or four people come up to me. And this is just an example of, you know, what happens if I'm speaking at a conference, you know, so I'm, that's a teaching mode, but it's also, you know, that presenting mode. And, but I had a couple of people and I just kind of sat on the edge of the stage, you know, after everybody else kind of left and they said, I want to thank you. You helped me tonight, you know, um, you know, and, and I, we videotaped this. I mean, big, big conference, we videotaped it and I'm going to take it back to all my people, you know, I, even though I got paid well for that, the money, it wasn't about the money. You, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was the fact that, Okay. As long as I'm relevant, mm-hmm. as long as somebody says, hey, this was helpful to me, or, you know, um, you know, this is, I really needed that, or whatever the case may be, um, you know, as long as I'm, I'm doing that, and, and, you know, and God still gives me the energy and the health to do that, I'm going to do it. That's, 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 that's my why right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just as you were talking, I, I, I think about, and I've, and I've been thinking about this a lot the last few years and, and, you know, there's always stuff that comes up that'll, you know, distract me off of it. And then I'll come back to it. And when I, when I have those things that end up, you know, I have this idea and I'll get super energetic about it. And then it, then it, something comes up and then it fades and then I have to be intentional about bringing it back. I'm like, okay, maybe that was more about Kevin than it was about something that I'm getting called into. But when I when I get when I have something that comes up, I get super excited. But then I get uh, um, stuff comes up or whatever, and get distracted or whatever. But then it comes back up again, and then again, it's kind of like the knocking on the door, right? It's like you know, it's like, right. am I am I or am I not going to open it because this keeps coming back, and so there's something must be there. And and when you uh-huh. were just when you were just talking about that, I reflect on um, one of the last times I I was reading uh, Victor Frankel's work, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, and some of the right. subsequent what he did with that uh, what he did with that work after the Holocaust, and he referred to it 
different times as his work. And in a and that and that stood out to me. Again, I heard that many times, but this time it stood out to me that this wasn't a job, this wasn't a career, this wasn't his profession. He referred to it as his work. And it was an instrumental thing that he talked about that kept him alive as he was going through the concentration camp. His yeah. his work that he has, he had there was unfinished business. Right. And um, and so when you when I throw that out, the idea of Greg's work, what 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 and maybe it's just a question to wrestle with or maybe you have an answer. Uh, what what uh, what what comes to mind when you think of Greg, Greg Young's the work that he's doing, your your work, in other words, the legacy that you're that you're creating um, that you're creating right now? Well, that's still a process. You know how okay. that works. Yeah. Um, in, in some ways, it's almost like, I, I think if I had to kind of, in listening to you, come up with an answer to that, it, it's really coming out, coming to the fore in this book that I'm writing. You know, because I've, I I might have alluded to this the first in our first installment of this, mm -hmm. but it's it's even more, um, you know, it's it's like, I've responded to all this stuff. I mean, we've already talked about that. But in everything I have responded to or everything I have vicariously experienced, you know, I, I it's almost like a paradigm shift. I look through a different set of lenses, you know, like, you know, the, the horrible stuff. We talk about the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. I'm actually writing about, you know, love's response to the Holocaust because, you know, we all know there was a whole lot of hatred and you might, might dare say call it evil, you know, that was going on there. And but 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 you, you, I, I'm trying to flesh out, you know, that's that's a whole chapter, you know, just on that, you, you know, um, and and for for instance, the tornadoes down in, in Arkansas, why so many people show up for those things? It's because it's because people feel compelled. They're not doing it for the money. They're doing it. They're doing it out of, dare I say, love. Love always responds to horrible stuff. I mean, if you look at long enough, sure, we have to work through. I, I You know, in, in the book, I, I don't want to do disservice to saying we want to sweep all this horrible stuff under the rug. No, no, because I know we need to, to go through that. We need to process it because that's what post-traumatic growth is. Um, but 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 the also we need to look at, you know, that there are always going to be people who respond bearing light. There are always going to be people responding. And you, you can name it, Las Vegas shooting. I use I got that in there. Sandy Hook. And you know, and the pandemic, you know, we all went through. You know, I mean, it just just small, you know, random acts of kindness, things that people did that kind of get lost in the rancor of, you know, all the all the you know, the stuff and complaints and you know, but it's there. It's there. And and I that's what I would like to be as a part of my legacy to remind people. That, you know, let's just take the word hate. Hate uh, can throw all that it can at us. In fact, I presented this following 9-11 at a candlelight vigil. I said, you know, we've seen what hate can do. Now we see what love can do. And and for me, that's always the final word. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've, I feel very much the same way, right? I, I feel very much the same way. And I've had, you know, individuals when it comes to, you know, because of 
because of either fear or of something happening, going to happen in the future, or angry about something that already happened, or angry about them having fear about something happening, right? Then they they go, well, if 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 your higher power, if God was so good, then why wouldn't he just stop those things from happening? Yeah. You know, like like they would never happen. Right. Yeah. And uh it it re- it remind it reminded me of some somebody who told I, I think it was a story slash kind of like a joke that 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 this this person had uh, had died, and I'm I'm not probably not to do this do this story very good justice, but you know he had worked his whole life and done all these things his whole life, and you know he had worked for the weekend and you know would complain about the hours and all these things, and at some point he he then died and he went to a place um, that that you know all the food was provided for him. Um, that that all he had to do was just kind of kick back and sit in the sun and do whatever. And he he didn't there, you know, didn't, you know, there wasn't really thing anything asked of him throughout the days or or in the nights or whatever. And after so much time being there, he he goes, um, he goes up to somebody who was of, of some level of authority and he goes, Hey, um, uh, is there anything, you know, is there anything for me, you know, that I can do that I can make or I can do? And he goes, no, no, we don't have that here. And he goes, he goes, what, what do you mean? You don't have anything He goes, no, this is what it is. You just, you just be, and you don't have to do anything. He goes, this is hell. And he goes, well, where do you think you are? Uh, yeah. And when it was going through my head is, is a vision of, you know, people at feasts. Um, so one person has shown, say, a vision of whatever you want to call Hades, whatever you want to call it, and um, they they have no elbows, mm. and, and everybody's trying to eat this great yeah. feast in front of them, but, but they're so intent on just serving themselves that they're starving to death with yeah. all of this food because they don't have any elbows to bring food up to their face. I mean, they could stick their face in the food, I presume, but then this person's seen another one, and and people have no elbows. And what they're doing is feeding each other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, very similar kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think this idea, right, of when you were just talking about Greg's work, right, is about, you know, and in, 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 in maybe it's going to have different hats and different different venues, but it's it's still this idea of this this purpose this your why of of being able to continually you know being connected to god as you understand him so that you can then be that light for whatever circumstances you're being asked to be there you're right and when i when i trained first responders i I was asking this question because as you know we talk about you use the word promptings you know they um you, you know, it's like I said, uh, who 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 does who signed up to do this job to get rich? Give me a show of hands. Sure. And I only had that happen once, and that was a funny story. But that you know, I said, how's that working out for you? Yeah. I said, <laughs> I said your job is is a calling. Your job, my job, mm-hmm. it's a calling, Kevin, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a calling. It's a calling, yeah. and it, that that gives us meaning and purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, being able to, uh, you know, today I've, I have had the, I had the mindset that, 
um, similar to gravity. You know, if I if I'm on top of the roof and I'm up there, you know, doing some, you know, or or I'm looking outside my window right now and there's a railing, uh, a deck over, uh, you know, it's a it's a we're on the second floor. And if I'm walking on that railing and I fall and end up breaking my leg, that isn't necessarily any thing, God or anything's fault. It's called gravity. Right. It's it's just part of the the laws of the world that we exist in and um and so it's it's now that could be considered a bad thing if i look at it that way or it could be a turning point in my life where it ends up being the best thing that ever happened to me or the catalyst for the best thing that ever happened to me it's it's what, what am i going to do with now that i have broken my leg from falling off the porch have I learned that maybe I shouldn't walk on the railing? Um, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe I've learned other things as well, you know? And so this idea, of, you know, is that, that when bad things happen, I love that part where you said when bad things happen, yes, we need to address the darkness yes. and, and we need to address the things that may be causing the darkness, but we need to do it with love, not necessarily with more darkness. That's right. That's right. Because there is light at the end of the darkness. Yeah. There's light in the darkness. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I've often used the analogy, Kevin, uh, imagine, you know, we, we've heard the expression helicopter parents, you mm -hmm. know, uh, helicopter parents where, you know, use WKRP. I don't know if you remember that show. They're doing the, the, the air helicopter traffic report or whatever. But, um, but imagine, you know, with any children, that we raise our children, it, we're able to prevent, it, it protect them from every little bit of heartbreak, disappointment, uh, adversity, any, any kind of adversity, until they become old enough to be on their own. None, none of that stuff. And we release them, they're on their own, go out into the world. Are they going to be prepared for the world? Mm. No. We know the answer to that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately, I don't wish bad things to happen to people, but you know, we we learn and grow from them. It's what we do with, you know, how we respond to them, at yeah. least from my perspective. So, yeah. well, and, you know, it's interesting about that, you know, wishing, wishing good things upon someone or wishing bad things on somebody, right? Probably doesn't have anything on if they happen or not, but it definitely has something to do with how it affects me. Yeah. Um, and, and if I'm wishing bad things on people, then where's my mindset? to do uh -huh. that. And if I'm wishing good things on people, where's my mindset? Because it isn't going to change the outcome of the, of the game or the incident or whatever the situation yes. is. Yeah. Um, but it definitely is going to impact my present um, with, with which yeah. one I focus on. So, uh, but yeah, to your, yeah, get, go ahead. I was simply going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to give you an expression if you're not familiar with it. Because you were talking about bad, wishing bad things. Let's just use the word hate again. One of the theologians that was very influential on me was, uh, he, he was really kind of the psychologist in the pulpit during World War II. Harry Emerson Fosdick, uh, very renowned at Riverside Church in New York. You know, a lot of prestigious pastors come out of there. He once made the expression that hating somebody is like burning down your house to get rid of a rat. Yeah, yeah. That's all yep. I was going to say. <laughs> yep. 
Yep. Very, very, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Well, Greg, I super appreciate you coming on the show and 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 sharing just just your thoughts and having a conversation with you again um knowing that you know there may be just even just one thing that you know our conversation back and forth may may benefit one of the listeners um i know that every time i get a chance to talk with you i benefit from that so i appreciate that as um, do i as do i well thank thank you and uh now you've, you've referred to your book again. Uh, you referred to your book, and I know you're in the process of writing. Where do you have a title for the book yet? Oh, uh, that's yet to be determined. But basically, okay. it's it's uh, basically. In fact, somebody who's been doing some reading of the book, real quick, uh, has been doing some just to you know get their feedback. They said this is soul food. Yeah, uh. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that would be kind of a quirky title. But but it's, yeah. but it's along the theme, you know. Um, love 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 always has a final word you know yep. so it's going to be nice. that's kind of a working theme sure so i don't really have a title other than that okay okay that runs through yeah. gotcha do you have anticipated time when you are uh, when you might be uh done have yes. it completed yeah um well i'm hoping to get it done by the end of the year you know okay i'm up at this lovely spot you know in the background behind me because that yep. Where I can, I don't get too distracted, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I'm like you got a thousand hats we have to wear, you yeah, know. Yeah. And um, you know, but but it's it's well underway, you know. Uh, but there are times I feel like like when I do a wood sculpture, I, I used to teach wood sculpture. There's a time I always tell my you would tell my students that it, you look at the project and you think, oh, this is horrible. I don't like it. I, I'll say walk away from it for a while, yeah, and come back to it. That's that's been very teachable for me. In working on this book, I think I don't like this, you know, yeah. and I'll step back from a few days in that process. I mean, you know how that works. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. that's that's kind of where it's at. But where, it, but it is, it's 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 proceeding for sure. Perfect. Well, well, Greg, I really uh, appreciate our conversation. I appreciate uh, the friendship that we have created over the last few months and looking forward to to more conversations and and definitely looking forward to uh, to this project when you get this completed. And uh, I'll definitely be on the list to to, to get a copy and, and read that copy. So um, if for some reason someone wanted to reach out to you and and either ask you about something or or even have you come and 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 speak or something, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Well, um, probably the best way would be either Kevin, my cell phone, which is 414-573-6008, or probably my um, an email, critical incident response critical incident response at gmail.com. Thanks buddy for having me. Appreciate Perfect. It. Yeah. Thank you. As, as always, whenever, uh, whenever we have a guest come on, I think we have an opportunity to, uh, to not only get to know them as a person and what, what, um, uh, what drives them, what motivates them. And as Greg was sharing today about his story and, and the things that uh, energize him and the thing and the, and the things that, uh, uh, perpetuate him into his work. Um, hopefully that you can just take a piece away from that and either utilize that for yourself, share that with someone else, or maybe even inspire you to, to follow your work as well. As always, thank you for being here. And I look forward to being with you next week. Thank you, Kevin.